Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today in Johannesburg is Professor Filma Kutsi, who is the Executive Deputy Dean at the College of Accounting Sciences at UNISA. In addition to her academic portfolio, she is also involved with professional bodies like the South African Accounting Association and Institute of Internal Auditors. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. To begin with, as Executive Deputy Dean of the College of Accounting Sciences, can you tell us a little bit more about the college as well as some of the responsibilities that come with holding this role? Okay, so we are very unique. We are probably the only accounting sciences college or then faculty that some will understand that term better in the, in South Africa, but even maybe the world. Mostly accounting sciences will be under the economic and management sciences faculty. Yet with 38,000 students in 2018 um, and uh, roughly about 250 staff members, of which most are accountants, you know, it is a unique um, college. Um, we are only five years old. And yeah, we our teaching and learning is mostly 80% of our students do go for the psycho. Um, qualification at the end of the day. We also have some other professional qualifications that we service. But um, our teaching and learning portfolio is quite large, as you can imagine, with that number of students. Then also, and that's where the big issue is at the moment, the research, because um, maybe your first qualification was accounting, but now you are moving into the academia and there you need to become a scholar. And uh, accountants are not scholars. They haven't even done a master's maybe degree or definitely very few with a PhD. So the research domain is quite um, limited at the moment, but we are working on that and that's what we are trying to change. And that's probably my biggest portfolio. Um, I'm working with the dean, obviously. And then a college or a faculty is basically a mini business. You know, you have staff with all that surrounds that human resource management, um, resources that you need to manage, various other resources, finances, strategies, planning, and then you report upwards to the management, but also you've got your staff and your students. So um, quite hectic. UNISA is, I, I come from University of Pretoria, where it was a contact university, and I have got a lot of respect for UNISA, working there for the last four years. Um, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, when I looked at the, uh, the the college's website, that you enroll 40% of all accounting students yes. in South Africa. That's correct, yeah. That's a huge responsibility. It, uh, it is enormous. And you see, the problem with any university is that the responsibility or the level of responsibility that you have doesn't always match your authority because you are part of this big animal called UNISA, However, you have this other boss, SICA or SIMA or the IIA or whatever other professional body there is that has certain expertise. So, yeah, we, we, um, and we, and even with the transformation of our students, um, and if you look at the numbers that, that do get the different professional um, qualifications, we are contributing the most in the country. 
38,000 students. Big, big number. (laughs) Looking forwards to the the future, what would you say are some of the milestones that you want to achieve in this role? I think if we can change the the scholarly um, notion of our staff, because at the moment we have um, teachers, and I do believe there's a huge need that we change that, and we must become facilitators or um, the way we teach and, and how, how we train and the product that we then deliver on the table. Uh, you know, there's this notion of that accounting will be out, one of the professions that will be outdated by, I don't know how many years, a few years from now. Um, and, we, and it will be automated. And maybe that is true. But that creative thinking and problem solving will never go away. So we need to make sure that we send students into the world that actually can adhere to that demand. Um, so for me, where we should start changing is to make these accountants academics. Um, it's not easy. In most other disciplines, you will have some form of research involvement in your maybe undergraduate level of studies or your honours, <clears throat> whereas with um, accounting, there's none, not a single line that reflects on research. Um, so at the moment, we have already worked well changing that, and then obviously we are getting, I just heard yesterday from my um, research head, 500 applications for master students so obviously that's what the profession also wants and there's a need in practice for that industry for that mm. so that's what i'm thinking so beyond the numbers and the number crunching which is the skills that these individuals have you're also looking at i would say almost transformation a mindset shift mm-hmm. so that they do remain relevant for, yes. for the future yes because if you can teach someone to teach themselves then your job is sort of done. Um, and we are not doing it at the moment. You know, the psychosyllabi and many other professional bodies is very strict. There's this, you must be able to do this, that, and the following. Um, so we sort of, and that's not only at UNISA, I think that's all universities. We train them to to act, be able to do that and then pass the exams. And then you are a professional whatever. But do we train them to, to think for themselves and be creative and and solve the issues because there's so many in our profession at the moment um and you know and and i think i truly believe research is the is the answer to all of this because in with research and we all do research at some level we should not tell them we are doing research we're training them for research we must just they must just learn the skill without them knowing it's research because you tell an accountant you're going to do research they run away <laughs> so yeah i think that's what we need keeping with that train of thought I find that one of the challenges that we have, our world is evolving constantly. And that means that curriculums have got to be refreshed. We've got to have updates on an almost continuous basis. But how do you manage to keep pace with what's happening in the world and what you're being able to teach students? This is exactly what I'm now saying. For me, um, and and I'll 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 give you two examples of how we're doing this. If you just take generations, now at UNISA, you must remember, we have anything from a person that is 18 years old to a person that is 90. I'm not sure if there's 90 old uh, students, but probably there is. And we have the whole spectrum. Um, Then we have this whole new animal called technology that is infringing on on the way we teach. 
Um, and how people learn, even within, a, let's say, take two baby boomers. They will learn differently. Yet, up till now, we have had these little boxes where we place people mm, in. Cookie cutters. Yes. And that's where you will stay. And you will, and I will give you, you will go to classes. So last year, we, uh, or last week, I was at a meeting where the deans of economic sciences came together. And they all said they've got this problem. Students do not want to attend classes. At UNISA, where we distance learning, people want classes. You know, so, and for me, it's about that facilitation of learning. Um, I've developed a program when I was still at the previous um, institution where I went to academia or industry came to me and said, work with us. We need a higher level critical thinker individual in the marketplace. So I developed a master's which did exactly this. So I was sitting with staff me or with, with students that was on director level in huge companies. And they knew much more than I did. So I never tried to match their level of knowledge. I just taught them how to teach themselves going forward, that you can never be outdated. So it doesn't matter how things change, you will be updated with the latest technology. And now at UNISA, we are starting a professional master's. It's one of the, the first, I think, in the country. There's not many professional masters at the moment. SICAR, the Institute of um, Chartered Accountants, is um, endorsing the program, and we're going to do exactly the same. And are you finding that there's enough collaboration between universities and professional bodies mm. like Psycho? Because no. given everything you've said, accounting is it's a practical course. Mm. It's a practical program that when people graduate, they go into the workforce and they they hit the ground running. Yes, I think. And that was actually also that came out from this dean's meeting. And they also said, but... Um, we want to work with, 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 with industry, with practice. And I've learned in my life, um, maybe I'm a little bit too bold, but I ask. So I had um, one of the big banks sponsoring that program that I started. I had, um, I will ask people, please, I need your, your, com your, your expertise for a few hours. We're going to have a focus group to discuss the curriculum for that program. And they will come. And will you please lecture for my students on X, Y, Z? Yes, please, we would love to do that. And will you help to me to send these students overseas as they're going to come back and be fantastic um, uh, uh, um, staff members? Yes, yes, we'll do that. So I've learned to ask, and I received a few no's, but very few. Most of the time, they actually want to, you know, give their time back to to the um, university or college in this case. But I think we don't ask. We don't make it easy for them because where, where will they start if they don't know me? How will they know that they can, um, you know, ask to be part of my program? Advisory boards, we had that where we um, get high flyer people from practice to give us some advice. Let's say three times a year we meet, tell us what's going on, what, where do we need to improve our program and so forth. I've had that. So I think it's just about asking, but I, can, I do agree with you that if we do not do that, your program will always be below standard. And almost lose risk of relevancy. Yes. 100%. Looking at the bigger picture of universities, how do you see, and again, it's, it's a responsibility on shaping students for the future because ultimately they're going to become the country's or the future's next mm. socio-political economic leaders. 
You know, when I studied, when you said the word dean, I ran away because that was just such a high flyer person or even a head of department, a COD or chair of department um, or a professor. I mean, you didn't even talk to a professor. These days, students actually w- comes to your office and they, they, they want to engage. They want to be mentored. They want to be, be heard. And I think we, we have, we've got a responsibility to do that. So even your, your master's and doctorate level students is easy to mentor because it's maybe in a group, maybe one-on-one, but, I mean, you see them all the time. But is your office open for your first-year student that's struggling or your second year that needs career guidance? And, 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 and that's the thing. When you, when you climb the ladder in academia, you need to be something of everything. You know, you become the mother, you become the, the guidance, um, counselor, um, and anything in between. Um, and I think if you do not want to do that, then you're missing the point. Because, we, as you say, we need to shape our future students. Mm-hmm. Where I went, I always started a, um accounting sciences um, student body. And those those students, they maybe they will work through the student body, but our students do communicate with us on a regular basis, and we influence their thinking. It's opening lines of yes, communication, yes. being accessible. Yes, definitely. And as you said, twenty years ago, wasn't this really. wasn't normal normal practice. No. And maybe I think being a woman, it is easier, because we are we tend to listen more closely, um, being that emotional. You know, I don't say you must be emotional uh, attached to the student, but you do have, have a better understanding. Have a degree of empathy. Yes, yes. Yeah. On the student side of things, you've also been in your in your career long enough because it was fairly recent as an event was the fees must fall movement, mm-hmm. which was only in in 2015, but ultimately it was about students protesting against escalation of of university fees. You have very few rich students in in any country across the world, and this is more of a problem in South Africa. But the reality is that that's also impacted on how universities function because you now no longer have the CPI or whatever the increment is on on inflation. Mm -hmm. So are you looking at introducing alternative revenue streams into the, the college? Well... Fortunately for us at UNISA, our, our student fee, the, the percentage of this, the, that money that comes in from the students is very small. The bulk of the money comes from the, the Department of Higher Education and Training. So we did not feel it yet. However, I know there's a new model on the table that will be implemented within the next year or two where our, our fees will, will de- or our income from DIET will decline. So um, at the moment, and we at universities are really not proactive to plan ahead but um, there's quite a few grants available and if I look at what um, numerous um, we call it pockets of excellence that we have in the college they're already looking for money Um, it's you know you as I say again you need to go and ask Um, practice as I said in the past I had I received quite a few grants so the E so if let's say you want to start a new um, curricula there's definitely ways of getting funding outside the university or you want to start a new research project. There's, there's lots of avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, this professional master's will um, generate 
a lot of inf- uh, income for us from from the from on subsidy side because you must understand the way subsidy works. Uh, first year versus a PhD, it's like six thousand versus nearly four hundred thousand difference that that you get from the from government. So it's also work a bit more clever. Mm. And and proactive. And proactive, yeah. So this our professional masters, we hopefully will increase our masters throughput, which will increase our funding. Okay. Students the world over have always been proponents of, of change. And if I look at our kind of era that we're in now, social media has had a, a massive impact on accelerating and, and getting movements ahead. Uh, to drive change or or to bring about some type of of occurrence. In your opinion, what do you think events and aspects of of social media and movements help in terms of of changing gender equality? Oh, I think um, social media and we at UNISA can. I'm, I'm, I really understand social media because we can say something now, something happens now, tomorrow everybody knows. So because remember all of the learning takes place on a platform, so social media is extremely important. Um, I think for me there will be a much greater awareness. You know, you can't hide things anymore. Somebody's nose is cut off in some other country and within a day or two, everybody knows about it. And then I think also that gives people boldness to speak up. Um, I must say in academia, our inequality between women and men is, is less, I think. And I, I've got my reasons why I think that. But, for example, I think that many women went into academia. I'm, I'm taking myself as an example because I, was, I had little children and it was a great time for me to be flexible in my working environment. And then I decided to stay. Um, so there's a lot of women in academia and... I don't think they will be bullied so easy. But then, again, there's many other areas that is not like that. And I think social media is definitely opening that that boldness or creating a platform for boldness to, to speak up and not to mm. take it any longer. Things that I've, I've picked up just in our conversation, now, and I think it's probably a, a result of the times that we're in, mm. is greater transparency, um, more openness, uh, and stronger connections between communication and freedom of speech. Yes. Well, actually, I heard the fifth industrial revolution is about connectiveness. So I actually attended a, a session on that, and it was extremely interesting, but it's about everything is just connected, and they, you know, there's no more hiding anything. So if you've, you've, you've got some countries that say we will not have Google there, I don't know how that will work, but... Uh, it's happening, but it's not for long, I assume. Yeah. How do you think that South Africa will look in, say, 10 to 20 years' time concerning women's rights and gender equality? Well, I think um, if I look at how things changed from when I started with my studies up till now, we, ha- we were a few ladies in the class. And today, as you say, our college is um, mostly women, I think 56% or something like that. As students, so it will be a natural transition from where we are now. Um, I don't think we will even have to force it because women will appoint women. It actually happens, and women will support other women. 
But if you think about it, that was the way things had worked for men exactly. in the past. Exactly. So there is no difference. Mm. So the, I think the, the times are changing as the song goes. And I think um, it will be a natural thing that will happen. It, we don't have to have laws and things. Although I think in South Africa we are quite ahead of many other countries. Um, but it's true that we are not there yet that we have these hundreds of women in senior positions. And that's I think that's changing mm. a bit slow. You mentioned that there's a much higher proportion of women that are, are students at the college. And financial independence uh, completely contributes to women's empowerment. Can you tell us a bit more about how you're enabling women to access the accounting industry post their educational term? Yeah, I was actually um, ashamed to say, I, must, I am ashamed to say that we don't do a lot because I think we do not have that big uh, discrepancy between men and women. We already have quite a few women in the in practice. Um, we d- we d- what we are doing at the moment, however, is to look at our um, children on school level. So we have quite a few programs where we take a girl child to work or we do financial planning or financial literacy for uh, a lower level, like on school level. Um, or in, in, in other communities, um, and many of those are then, we invite them, and they are, are mostly um, women, or then girls. <laughs> so you're looking at working that, yes, that pipeline yes. development. I think, you know, if I look at our staff numbers, we are mostly women, and if I look at even in the practice, there's quite a few women in high-fly positions in accounting sciences. I'm, I'm not saying we're there yet, but I do believe that we are, we are already ahead of many other um, professional. Um, it, it sounds like there's sufficient momentum. Yes. And if you keep fueling it, it'll carry on and, and naturally progress and, yes. and develop. Yes. Looking at your your personal aspects for a moment here, you hold BCom and honours in accounting, an MCom and PhD in internal auditing. Can you just expand a bit on? How achieving your academic qualifications has enabled you to be where you are today? Well, um, in the beginning of my of my studies, my BCom, I was privileged. I um, got a grant from government, and everything was paid. It was very easy. When I went over to my honours, it was not so easy. I was working. I um, had evening classes that I attended, six to ten every evening. It was hard. But that shaped me. Um, I then decided, I had to decide, do I stay in academia or do I stay in practice? Because you need to make Mm. that decision. Um, And it was easy for me because at that time I had my little two children and I decided for the flexibility I'll stay in academia. So today I look back and the hardship made it easy for me to climb the ladder. But I don't think everybody must do degrees I'm not saying a degree is bad. I think degrees are wonderful things, but it only opens doors for you. There's so many other people that not even studied and they are also making a success of their lives. Or um, then there's, there's diplomas or where you go to a technical or technical college. Um, everybody cannot do a degree. Another thing I think is that you need to look at market saturation. We're sitting with, with, with in certain areas in our field that there's an overpopulation um, of, of qualified individuals and then they can't find jobs. So 
people need to to make sure that they follow their passion. I think that is extremely important. Um, I, I landed up per accident in academia, yet today I love it. I see I make a difference. I'm passionate about what I'm doing, and then I'm a success. If I don't have that passion, it's very difficult to make a success. So, and we are all unique individuals. Where do you fit in? What is mm. your passion? Um, study is not going to fix everything for you. And, and I'm not saying don't study. <laughs> I, even my domestic worker is studying at the moment. So everybody around me studies. When, <laughs> when I, I, I hear what you're saying, it's not just mm. about studying from a formal point of view. Mm. You're saying that this is about mental mm. stimulation. This is about growth and development. It doesn't yes. matter what you do, yes. but do something to advance yourself. Yes. And and then the, the, the success will follow. I never started and said, I want to be this, and I, uh, this is my success ladder that I'm going to climb. It came naturally because it came from passion. Today, we're talking to Professor Filner Kutsier, who is the Executive Deputy Dean at the College of Accounting Sciences at UNISA. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro-soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today we're talking to Professor Filner Kutsia, who is the Executive Deputy Dean at the College of Accounting Sciences at UNISA. In the previous segment of the conversation, we spoke about the College of Accounting Sciences, the throughput of women and their exit from academia and entry into the world of, of practice. We looked at some of the challenges that institutions are, are facing currently and as well as social media as a significant driving force towards motivating and moving change ahead. Prof Kutsia, as Deputy Executive Dean, you're a leader in the college and you've played a role within leadership in, in various spaces, whether it's on some of the professional bodies and, and boards that you've been part of. Something which has always struck me is that in corporate SA, at senior management level, according to the Businesswomen's Association, they do a census every now and then. Their last uh, survey in, of 2017 showed that of JSC-listed companies, women account for 29.5 executive managers, 19% directors, 6.9% chairpersons, and 4.7% CEOs. Given that women tip the scale of our overall population, I think we're seeing it up at about 51%, they're significantly underrepresented mm. in leadership and managerial roles. How do you think we can improve on the representation of women in leadership positions? Yes, that is true, and it's, it's actually concerning. Um, I do believe that we have really competent women that can lead and that they are not leading. What I've seen in life is that um, we are creatures of habit and we tend to um, surround yourself with individuals that is like you. So my thought is that women will lead the entry for other women into the higher levels. I'm seeing that already. Um, take myself. Um, I was appointed by a woman and um, and even other women that was in the in the panel and there was men 
participating, but it was me that got the job. So I, at UNISA, actually, um, we've got quite a few women in the senior positions. Quite a few our VPs or vice principals are women. Our, our VC, uh, Professor uh, Makanya, is a man, obviously, but the rest, there's quite uh, the level just under him is quite a few women. And they are then also appointing women again. So I think that will be a very natural thing when we start getting more people in senior positions. It will like be, you know, from going from one to two to four to eight, and that double will increase. It will take a little bit more time, but I'm seeing a difference, especially in academia. Um, quite a few VCs now that's women. Um, senior positions that's been filled by women. So I think it will be, again, a natural transition to women. I just have a challenge with the fact that it's all about time, mm. that it's something which we can't have now, but it's taking, it'll take another few years. Yeah. It's a slow-turning cycle. Yes, you know what we do, and I, that's the other thing I was thinking about now, is that when there's a position, I will read the criteria, and I will say, oh, I do not have X, so I cannot apply. Men, they will read that same criteria and say, oh, I don't have X, but who cares? I'll apply. And we, we need to start being bold like that. Instead of thinking, I'm not good enough, because I think that's our problem. We need to make that transition to say, do I want this? Do I really think I can make the difference? Is this my passion that I, that I want to see myself in for the next five years? And then go for it. But we tend to be so driven by, oh, I'm still not good enough. And, and we need to change that. You mentioned something which I think was important was the efforts that you're doing at school level. Yes. Because that's where it's about yes. building confidence, self-assurance, mm -hmm. and becoming bold and go-getters. Yes. Turning towards more of a personal reflection, one of the questions which I ask all of our guests on the show made tremendous achievements in their respective professions is about the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. So some people have spoken about hard work or perseverance. In your opinion, what would you say have been some of the key drivers? Well, I think those two are both very important, but more important is to work smarter. That's what I've learned because in academia, I mean, there's so many facets within academia and you, you, you need to choose. So you'll get many people that say, oh, I'm only going to focus on this area and then they are going to go nowhere. You need to be an all-rounder if you want to really climb the ladder. And what I've learned is to, to take something and make more of it. Um, for example, many years ago, we were asked to help a Malawian university to implement a program and then the guy said but please you need to write me material and I said oh my goodness we don't have material but we'll write something we, I mean we are in this now with you and then while we were writing I was saying but we can make this a textbook today I've got three very successful textbooks working smarter and 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 I think that is really important not to look at this little thing or maybe I, I did a consulting for a company or organization and I thought oh but I can make this a research project whoops there it becomes a research project. maybe even I have a master student helping with me with it so um, and I don't think many people think like that so repurposing <coughs> yes yes and and you know having two stones what, what is that saying um, killing two birds with one stone that one but then also I think the other thing is surrounding yourself with people that you can trust and that's competent and that's supportive 
and that it becomes a team effort. I do not work alone. Very seldom in my life I work alone. But I like to look at individual. I'm, I'm a very much into. I, f- I focus on an individual within a team effort. So for me, it's about giving people wings, because if you give somebody a purpose, see their passion and drive that, or assist them in driving that passion, you get a fantastic worker, and you also benefit from that. So don't be selfish when you, when you work. It's an interesting perspective on selfishness when I look at it from a team point of view because each person has got something to contribute. Exactly. And Mm. if you don't allow them to do so, then you are being selfish. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up? Well, although being in a a privileged home... um, I went through quite a few. Like my, my parents divorced in the in the nineteen sixties. You don't divorce, mm-hmm. but it was actually a good thing because it made me a stronger person. But I always had mentors and mostly women um, that that hold my hand throughout my journey as as a child, as a young woman, and even today. My grandmother played an enormous important role in my life, and even today I've got two big mentors. The one is a man. And the other one is a lady, uh, Professor Stella on Como. I love her to bits. And um, when I don't know what to do, who do I call? One of those two. And uh, so I think it's important to have someone to to be able to just ask, help yeah. me. And, and, and Longaban is a little bit far oh, away. I you know her. <laughs> I actually went to visit her last year. She's got a beautiful house there. So you're wonderful. You know her. Yeah, she's a beautiful lady. Yeah. So with the mentorship piece, because I think that's something which is is crucial, Mm. how did you develop that relationship? How did you nurture it? You know, I'm one of those people that I meet someone, like like last Friday, I met this guy, um, Edgar is his name, I can't remember his name, it's very very difficult to say, he's the dean at um, at TUT, Twana University of Technology, and we sat in this uh, lounge and we just started talking and within 10 minutes we knew we like each other and we are going to walk a path and um, we discussed things that I will never discuss with just anybody. So I think now, you know, it's like reaching out. So I worked with Stella for quite a few years and when I left, I went to her and I said, Stella, can I ask you to be my mentor? And so from both of our sides, we make make a point to see each other often and um communicate and just how are you what are you doing so tomorrow when I really want to ask you something serious you're also there for me um, it's about a little bit of an effort from In investment from investment yes yes yeah. and finally as we close off our conversation today we are in youth month could you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to young ladies in the continent that are listening to us Yes, I think the most important thing in life is to be yourself. People recognize authenticity. Don't try and be something that you are not. It will catch up with you. Be honest. Be honest to yourself. Be honest to the people around you. And then the other very important thing is to be consistent. Your word is your, it's, it's your honor. Um, if you follow these few golden rules, it's it's not many. 
then you will be a success. But I've seen so many people that they look, they've got an idol or they want to be like that person and they, they try to be like that person, lose themselves in the, in the process and then all things go down. So be yourself. Be who you are, who you were made to be on this earth and, and contribute where you need to be contributing. Thank you. That's such an important message on self-belief and being comfortable in, in who you are and, and building off of your strengths. Yes. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And today we have been talking to Professor Filna Kutsia, who is the Executive Deputy Dean of the College of Accounting Sciences at UNISA.